The conspiracy was to pass and maintain a $1.5 billion bailout in return for $61 million in dark money. Oops. Did they get busted? Busted. <laughs> that never happens. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. That's why. I got the feeling that something right. Well, a little. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me. Jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Here I am. Yes, I'm stuck in the middle. From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast that's heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA. Also in California in Red Bluff and Redding on KFOI, Round Mountains KKRN, and Eureka's KGOE. Up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's Queso and Eugene's KEPW. In Lancaster, Pennsylvania on WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU. In Columbus, Ohio, hello, Ohio, on WGRN. We're talking about you today. In Palinville, New York, on WLPP, Grand Rapids, Michigan's WPRR. In New Orleans, on WHIV, Gallup, New Mexico's KNIZ. In Concord, New Hampshire, on WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ. In Seattle, on KODX. In Janesville, Wisconsin, on WADR. And in Minneapolis, St. Paul, on AM 950 KTNF. We also stream coast-to-coast and around the globe every day on the Internet, on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Radio for Humans, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, Workforce Rising, Deprogrammed Radio, Detour Talk, and many other fine affiliates, both terrestrial and streaming. Blanketing Planet Earth, five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow, says me, from bradblog.com. Thank you very much for joining us today. Uh, we have uh, Desi Doyen. I'm, I'm shaking everything up here, given this uh, breaking no- news over the past hour or so. Yeah, it's pretty big. Yeah, it is. Now, we have uh, a Green News report coming up a little bit later today. Yes, we do. With uh, just one disaster after another in it, frankly. <laughs> yes. Uh, it's an excellent report. Don't get me wrong. Okay. But good. it's just full of nothing but disasters <laughs> uh, and terrible things. Uh, that's coming up in a bit. But uh, given that this, this news that broke after today, Today's Green News report was put down out of Ohio today, uh, and this news, I suspect, will probably make it into our next GNR. Oh, yeah. Nonetheless, I wanted to make sure that we cover this today in detail because, yeah, it is a big story. And it's probably going to get buried because Donald Trump is giving one of his uh, task force, what are those called, the coronavirus task force briefings again at the White House as we go to air. Another Trump circus, which is going to attract the attention and not actually accomplish anything. Well put. (laughs) Nicely done. So uh, let me uh, tell what's going on today uh, because it's kind of amazing. Uh, To tell the story, however, i got to go back to last year, almost exactly at this time last year, July 27 of 2019, as our friend and environmental and energy journalist David Roberts reported at Vox at the time. 
Amid a flurry of ambitious state action on climate change policy, the Republican-controlled Ohio legislature has just passed an energy bill that represents an enormous step backwards. It is the most counterproductive and corrupt piece of state energy legislation I can recall in all my time covering this stuff. The details must be seen to be believed. This was David Roberts <clears throat> one year ago reporting on this energy bill that was being pushed through the Ohio legislature. The bill, he writes, just signed by Republican Governor Mike DeWine, is called HB6, though the story behind it is complex and sordid. The bill itself is pretty simple. He says it would do four things. Bail out two nuclear plants. From 2021 until 2027, Ohio ratepayers would pay a new monthly surcharge on their electricity bills from 85 cents for residential customers up to 2400 for big industrial customers. The surcharge will produce about $170 million a year. $150 million of that will be used by the utility First Energy Solutions to subsidize its two big nuclear power plants. Uh, Davis Bess or Bessie? Bessie. Davis Bessie outside of Toledo and Perry, northeast of Cleveland. Those are the two nuclear plants that would be subsidized at a cost to ratepayers. It claimed, First Energy did, that it uh, what those plants were losing money and that uh, they would be closed in the next couple of years without bailouts. The remaining $20 million would be divided among six existing solar projects in rural areas of the state. And also some coal plants would get some help, too. Two well, coal plants. Well, that was the next point of this okay. uh, bill. Bailout of two coal plants. First Energy customers across Ohio will pay an additional monthly surcharge, a buck fifty for residential customers, up to $1,500 for big industrials to help bail out two old hyper-polluting coal plants owned by the Ohio Valley Electric Corporation. Uh, which is a group owned by several large utilities, uh, one in Ohio, one in Indiana. It would also gut renewable energy standards. Ohio had one of the oldest renewable portfolio standards in the country, Roberts reported at the time, requiring that its utilities get to 12.5%, get 12.5% of their power from renewables by 2027. And I know that does not sound like much, but uh, at the time and certainly even now, uh, given uh, so much of what the country, you know, it has, so many of the states have in place for renewables, 12.5 percent of power from renewables by 2027 was actually pretty good, and it had been in place for quite a while yeah, in and Ohio. It's super easy to achieve, and they were almost on their way to achieving it. They were almost on their way, uh, but this bill reduced that target from 12.5% to 8.5% by 2026, and it exempted large industrial customers. It kills the standard altogether after 2026, effectively nullifying any incentive for, re uh, for new renewable energy development in the state of Ohio, as Roberts reported. It also gutted energy efficiency standards. Ohio utilities are required to reduce customers' energy use by 22% from 2008 levels by 2027. 
through energy efficiency programs, which were set to save Ohio ratepayers some $4 billion over the next 10 years. But HB6 allows utilities to completely abandon those programs once they hit 17.5%, which most of them had already reached almost by last year uh, when HB6 was pushed through. So to summarize uh, Robert's rights, the bill would subsidize four uncompetitive power plants, remove all incentive to build more renewable energy projects, and cancel efforts to help customers use less energy. He says it's a bill only a utility and the lawmakers who do its bidding could love. An extravagant gift to utility investors that hoses Ohio ratepayers. Despite a tsunami of dark money, Roberts reported, supporting the bill, and we'll get to some of that in a moment, HB6 was overwhelmingly opposed by ratepayer groups, by business groups, by free market conservative groups, by environmental groups, and by Ohioans in general. It is its only support, he said, came from its only beneficiaries. That would be the utilities that own the bailed-out plants, the employees of those bailed-out plants, the communities where the bailed-out plants are located, and possibly, he says, President Trump, who doesn't want to see coal plants closing during his re-election campaign. So we reported on that at the time, as I recall, on, yep. on the Green News Report. Yes, we did, because uh, it was a terrible bill. A terrible bill that nobody could understand why anyone would pass it, particularly given all the people who were against it. But as it turns out, those groups... Uh, the bailed out uh, plants, the communities around the bailed out plants, the employees of the bailed plants, they were not the only beneficiaries of this bill, as we learned today, according to the FBI. We're here today to announce the arrest of Larry Householder, the Speaker of the House of the State of Ohio, and four other defendants um, for racketeering in relation to what is likely the largest bribery money laundering scheme ever perpetrated against the people of the state of Ohio. Oops. Uh, the conspiracy was to pass and maintain a $1.5 billion bailout in return for $61 million in dark money that were used for various things. Uh, one, to line the pockets of the defendants. Two, to build a power base for Larry Householder. And three, to further the conspiracy, that is to further the affairs of this, this enterprise. Ouch. Meow. That Got him. was uh, U.S. Attorney for Ohio, David uh, DeVillers. Is that yes. how we say his name? And I guess Dave, uh, Donald Trump's own U.S. Attorney, presumably. Yep. As reported by the Toledo Blade today, which has been updating this story all day, so there are likely to be more details as we uh, continue to get more information on this, Ohio House Speaker Larry Householder, a Republican, and four others were arrested on Tuesday in connection with a federal investigation into an alleged $60 million corruption and racketeering scheme. Uh, Householder was arrested at his farmhouse. The investigation related to Ohio's passage last year of a law Bailing out nuclear power plants. That would be HB6, which uh, David Roberts reported on in great detail and said, yeah, something something's really corrupt about. <laughs> yeah. This. 
Householder, who's 61 years old, is now in custody along with former Ohio Republican Party chair Matt Borges, high-profile Columbus lobbyist Neil Clark, political consultant and householder advisor Jeff Longstreth, and lobbyist Juan Suspides, also of Columbus. Almost all of these guys were, uh, were from Columbus. Hi, WGRN. How's it going out there today? Uh, anyway, they made uh, appearances via video before a Cincinnati-based U.S. magistrate from the uh, U.S. Marshal's office in Columbus, Ohio, due to coronavirus concerns. So they appeared on video. They are accused of racketeering conspiracy, a charge punishable by up to 20 years in prison and a $250,000 fine. Chris Hoffman, the FBI special agent in charge in Cincinnati, said all forms of public corruption are unacceptable when the corruption is alleged to reach some of the highest levels of our state government. The citizens of Ohio should be shocked and appalled. Governor Mike DeWine, after postponing a Tuesday coronavirus briefing until Wednesday because of this, following the announcement of the arrests, he called for Householder to resign, Householder again being the Ohio House Speaker. And may I add, DeWine yeah. signed that bill. Yes, I know. He's, he's, uh, his hands are not clean at all in this mess, as far as I can tell. Uh, as far as what I'm able to figure out here, uh, the governor said, I'm deeply concerned about the allegations of wrongdoing in the criminal complaint issued today by the U.S. Attorney's Office. Because of the nature of these charges, it will be impossible for Speaker Householder to effectively lead the House, the Ohio House of Representatives. Therefore, I am calling on Speaker Householder to resign immediately. So the governor is now calling for the resignation of the Republican Speaker of the House. Householder is a longtime Republican lawmaker. He was behind HB6, House Bill 6, which was passed last year to bail out two struggling nuclear power plants and all of the other things that I told you it did. Householder is accused of conspiring with the nonprofit Generation Now between uh, March 2017 to March 2020 in order to enact that House bill and then work to kill a subsequent ballot effort to repeal it. This thing was so, HB6 was so unpopular, there was a big effort to uh, put a, uh, a measure onto the ballot that would have overturned, would have rolled back HB6. So uh, Generation Now also supported the effort to kill that uh, bill, to, to keep that from getting onto the ballot. The money flowed into Generation Now from an unidentified energy company and its affiliates, according to authorities. Longstreth, who is Householder's uh, consultant and his advisor, turns out he's the one who incorporated Generation Now, which the FBI contends was actually run by Householder himself. The money was used to help pay for Householder's campaign staff. According to federal officials, he received an estimated $400,000 in personal benefits to settle a personal lawsuit to pay for costs associated with a Florida residence of his and to pay off thousands in credit card debt. He used the money to pay off credit card debt. Of course. 
Generation Now also was charged in the investigation. They were the group uh, actually owned by the Speaker of the House, or at least run by him, run by Householder. Secretly. Which, which secretly, which ran deceptive ads all over Ohio that sounded something like this. I served in the Army. Not a lot scares me. But I am worried about my family if our plant was forced to close. We generate nearly all of Ohio's clean energy, but Big Oil is working to make sure we're shut down. That'll kill our community. Thousands will lose their jobs in less than two years. It's wrong. Will you stand up for Ohio or Big Oil? Ask your legislators to support House Bill 6. More jobs, lower bills for Ohio. <laughs> Why is Man. he being so quiet when he's whispering <laughs> Because about it's very that? serious. Yeah, I guess it is. So uh, the choice is between Ohio and Big Oil. Kill right. her job with clean energy. Now, the clean energy job that she's talking about is at the nuclear plant. Right. Which uh, actually is clean energy, or at least cleaner energy, right? Than uh, than big oil. So that's the sort of thing that they were running all over Ohio, trying to get support for this HB six spending, untold uh, millions money. of dollars yeah. apparently. And of course, as you can tell from the way that it was so strongly opposed across the state by such a broad coalition, the ads didn't really help. But they passed it anyway. They rammed it through the Ohio State Legislature anyway. Yeah, they were able to get it passed in July of 2019. Uh, the legislature narrowly voted to have Ohio consumers pay $150 million to rescue those two uh, supposedly failing nuclear plants. Governor DeWine, again, who may or may not have clean hands here, he promptly signed the bill. First Energy Solutions at the time, the owner of the uh, owner operator of the Davis Bessie plant had said it would begin decommissioning its Davis Bessie plant uh, in May of 2020 and its Perry plant a year later. Uh, the plants, they claim, have been unable to compete in this age of cheap and abundant natural gas, though some analysis showed, in fact, the plants were actually making a profit, according to David Roberts' reporting last year. Uh, together, directly and indirectly, the plants provided about 4, 000, more than 4,000 jobs. Sponsor of the bill, Jamie Callender and Shane Wilkin, both Republicans, they sponsored HB6, which required consumers to pay surcharges on their monthly electric bill from ranging from 85 cents to 2400, et cetera, et cetera, to fuel what would be a $170 million a year bailout fund for those two nuclear plants and for the uh, for the coal plants, et cetera. So uh, let's do some math here. The bill would require Ohio's ratepayers. To, to cough up $170 million a year to supposedly maintain 4,000 jobs when there are cheaper and cleaner energy options available that this bill was essentially undermining. So, in effect, they could have paid each of those 4,000 employees about $42,500 a year to do nothing. Instead of, you know, uh, endanger us all, whether it's with coal or with nuclear and, you know, rather than give this money to a bankrupt company that was apparently lying about the profitability of its plants 
and uh, preventing Ohio from moving to cleaner, cheaper electricity while paying much of that money back to the lawmakers who pushed this bill through in the first place, according to the FBI. Exactly. So there's kind of a big irony here, too, because a carbon tax that charges polluters to emit as Mm -hmm. they would with their coal plants that were failing and uneconomical against natural gas and renewables, which are cheaper. So a carbon tax would have helped keep those nuclear plants open because it would have paid them for their zero emissions energy. But unfortunately, Republicans in Ohio preferred bribery and corruption and self-enrichment. So that's why they scotched that. That's what they always prefer, isn't it? In his uh, coverage last year, uh, David Roberts uh, covered quite a bit of this dodgy funding to push HB6 through the legislature. He said First Energy has been pursuing bailouts in the state since at least 2014, and investors have continued pouring in billions on the bet that it would succeed at getting those bailouts. The Environmental Defense Fund's Dick Munson summarizes the history of ratepayers in Ohio getting stuck with the bill. Munson said this would be the fifth time that Ohioans have will have paid for these plants. They first paid when the plants were built. They paid again in 1999 when the electricity market was restructured. They paid again when companies were allowed to add plants back into their supply plans in 2008. And finally, they've paid uh, via the bailout ruling that was approved by public U- the uh, Public Utilities Commission of Ohio back in 2016. So Ohioans keep paying over and over and over again for these plants, in particular these nuclear plants, which I think uh, you and others have called, what, the most expensive way in the world to boil water, essentially? Yes, and, you know, there's a conversation that we should have about the utility of keeping on existing nuclear plants because of their zero emissions electricity until we can build out renewable energy to replace them, but also phasing out fossil fuel plants as soon as possible. So there's a prioritization level that can come along there, that's another conversation for another day. Well, that, but the coal plants, yeah. for sure, were polluters and emissions uh, and emissions heavy, and they also caused downwind pollution for states downwind of Ohio. Yeah, and uh, the uh, and, and you're right, that is a conversation for another day. There are a lot of uh, environmentalists out there who support uh, nuclear energy. Prioritizing nuclear phase-out after fossil fuels, yes. Right, who say keep the old plants there. They are at least cleaner. Those will sort of be the last things that we get rid of, right. essentially, in transforming the, uh, the nation's energy supply. But... Uh, 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 Roberts talks about the Orwellian case that was made for the passage of HB6. Republicans were claiming that the bill, again, $300 million a year in new surcharges paid by every ratepayer in the state, that that would somehow save ratepayers money. <laughs> yeah. That's what they argued. Uh, How? Well, uh, Ohio's renewable energy and energy efficiency mandates cost ratepayers more than $4.50 a month on their electric bills. By slashing those mandates, lawmakers said they will save ratepayers more money than the new surcharges cost. So they were going to get rid of that $4.50 energy efficiency mandated cost that uh, they were paying every year. And instead, they would get these smaller uh, amount that they had to pay out each year. 
Republican state rep Bill Seitz at the time, a uh, longtime opponent of renewable energy, said, who benefits from this? Ratepayers do. He said, I can't conceive of anyone who would vote against saving your constituents that amount of money. But... As it turns out, that was sleight of hand. It counted the $4.50 in compliance costs that was being cut, but it didn't consider any of the benefits. For their money, Roberts notes, ratepayers got a steady push for the utilities to shift its investment to cheaper renewable sources. And along- cleaner, remember, also cleaner, that you don't get asthma and you don't get quite as many exactly. health ailments. Exactly, exactly. So uh, essentially, at the time, the Center for American Progress uh, did an analysis and they figured out that from uh, 2009 to 2012, every dollar invested by Ohio utilities in energy efficiency programs actually resulted in more than two dollars in near term savings for ratepayers. So it was all sleight of hand. It was all a trick that the Republicans were pushing this thing through, at least the Republicans who supported it. Not all of them did. But uh, as uh, he says, uh, as Robert says, to put it plainly, the Republicans behind HB6 were telling Ohioans that halting the shift to cheaper power sources, halting reductions in energy consumption, and resubsidizing increasingly uneconomic dinosaur power plants would save ratepayers money over the long term. Black is white, up is down, he (laughs) said. Again, uh, that was uh, last year when Roberts was warning, essentially, about this bill that had just been pushed through in Ohio. Yeah, because it was such a stunning level of corruption just in the basics of the bill. I mean, stunning even for Republicans. Even for Ohio Republicans. <laughs> exactly. The, uh, he was already at the time following the money. He said First Energy has also been a key supporter of Ohio House Speaker Larry Householder. I guess now we can call him indicted uh, House Speaker Larry Householder. One of uh, HB6's most firm, fervent proponents. As uh, Jeremy Peltzer reported for Cleveland Plain Dealer at the time, First Energy's PAC donated more than $5,000 to Householders' campaign, a total of about $150,000 to more than a dozen other House candidates, mostly Householders' supporters. Those were among the PAC's only donations that cycle. They only gave money to him to buy this legislation. And the support was ongoing. Uh, they were uh, the Energy and Policy Institute uh, had reported that Householder had received twelve thousand five hundred in campaign contributions from First Energy since the beginning of the legislative session that year. He and his sons flew on First Energy corporate jets to Trump's inauguration. And then there was all of that money, the dark money uh, political group called Generation Now, which spent a million dollars getting Householder elected and then sank four and a half million dollars into those pro HB6 radio and TV ads, which carpeted carpet bombed the state at the time. Yes. And also Generation Now, uh, it's alleged that the the utility company, uh, that the bribes that they got from the utility company were also used to back the campaigns of 21 different state legislative candidates to help maintain the Republican control of the Ohio State Legislature in 2018. So that money went to control Ohio State Legislature. Yes, it did. To the legislature, to the energy. It just suffocated 
the Buckeye State. That's what this was all meant to do, and basically in order to enrich these Republicans who still control the state. Now, for the record, Ohio uh, has more than 112,000 jobs in clean energy, the third most in the Midwest and the eighth most in the country. And they haven't even been trying that hard. In fact, they've been trying the opposite. They've been trying to tamp down things like wind power, which states all around Ohio uh, have much more than Ohio does. As that legislation was intended to create that kind of situation. Yeah, they had legislation. For example, they they changed uh, uh, the the statute so that wind had to be, you know, can only be so close to somebody's private property. Right. They changed the legislation so that it had to be three times farther away in order to get a permit for uh, for wind in Ohio. That was essentially meant that was a gift. That was a gift to the uh, dirty energy companies. Uh, but anyway, um, the, uh, the, uh, uh, the number grew of uh, clean energy jobs between 2017 and 2018 above the regional and national average, even as the overall number of jobs in the state declined. So uh, while Ohio was losing jobs overall during those years, the one place where they were gaining jobs was in the clean energy sector. Well, you can't have that. Yeah, which these guys were effectively trying to kill, and they were uh, getting literally bags of money to do it, according to pieces of the indictment, which have been uh, tweeted out in snippets as we go to air today over the last hour or so. Uh, I'll just share some of this here because it's kind of amazing. So uh, Company A referenced here is believed to be First Energy. Uh, of Ohio, the the group that owns the uh, the nuclear plants. So uh, here's from the indictment. To summarize, from March 2017 to March 2020, Householders Enterprise received approximately $60 million from Company A, that's First Energy, paid through Generation Now and controlled by uh, Householder and his enterprise. In exchange for payments from First Energy, Householder's Enterprise helped pass HB, uh, HB6, legislation described by an enterprise member as a billion-dollar bailout that saved from closure two failing nuclear plants in Ohio affiliated with First Energy. The enterprise then worked to corruptly ensure that HB6 went into effect by defeating a ballot initiative the initiative that the people were trying to use to overturn HB6. To achieve these ends and to conceal the scheme, Householders Enterprise passed money received from First Energy affiliates through uh, multiple entities that it controlled. Householders Enterprise then used the bribe money to further the goals of the enterprise, which included, one, obtaining, preserving, and expanding householders' political power in the state of Ohio, through the receipt and use of secret payments, two, enriching and benefiting the enterprise, its members and associates, and three, promoting, concealing, and protecting purposes one and two from public exposure and possible criminal prosecution. That part, apparently, they failed at. Uh, The indictment goes on to say the enterprise uh, concealed the payments by using a 501c4 to receive that bribe money. Hello, yes. Citizens United. Yes, sir. Uh, the millions paid into the entity were akin to bags of cash. 
Unlike campaign or PAC contributions, they were not regulated, they were not reported, they were not subject to public scrutiny, and the enterprise freely spent the bribe payments to further the enterprise's political interest and to enrich themselves. So it wasn't all uh, money that was funneled through the uh, 501c4, Citizens United. They were actually handing them bags of cash. And then they were using those bags of cash from unknown sources to put into the generation now to run the ads to hoax the state of Ohio. And then also to make contributions to other political action committees also controlled yep. by householder money laundering, essentially. Yep. So this is a huge scam, a huge scam, as the uh, uh, U.S. attorney there said, the largest scam in the history of Ohio. Uh, all of which, at the same time, is counter, specifically counter, uh, to what Ohioans actually want. Begging the question as to why it is that Ohio keeps electing Republicans. Uh, Ohioans want more clean energy, Roberts reported a year ago. He said a June 2017 poll run by Public Opinion Strategies, the nation's largest Republican polling firm, run on behalf of the Nature Conservancy, found that large majorities, even in coal-intensive southeast Ohio, support greater focus on renewable energy and energy efficiency. Some 79% support the renewable energy mandate that HB6 had killed. 86% support lower setbacks for wind power. That's the, you know, they had raised the setbacks to make it harder to build uh, wind power. Ninety percent said they would pay more on their electric bill to support renewable energy. And 90 percent would prefer lawmakers who support clean energy policies. Well, they got a funny way of showing it. Uh, in Ohio, they got a, the voters got a funny way of showing their opinions because they keep putting these Republicans back in power year after year after year. Well, I think gerrymandering and uh, voter suppression, photo ID restrictions, all kinds of ways that Republicans have helped to entrench their own power in the state of Ohio and, of course, in other states that are controlled by Republicans. And, of course, uh, fake ads, you know, claiming that this is about saving Ohio from big oil for clean energy purposes. Yeah, I mean, so, one one group, one of the groups, the political action committees controlled by the Speaker of the House, Householder, it had a million dollars to lay out in the 2018 campaign. The... Uh, you know, gerrymandering, of course, that's going to keep House control for Republicans in Ohio. But statewide, they continue to elect Republican governors. And at least for the last few election cycles, they have continued to elect a Republican president. So we can't blame it on that. But hey, Ohio, you can blame yourselves if you're not happy with this kind of corruption and this much dirty energy that is uh, killing us all. You can do something about it. You can vote a different way for a change. David Roberts concluded his piece last year, writing, The GOP has become a fully purchased subsidiary of big energy incumbents. States that want to move forward on climate change and clean energy have no choice but to override Republicans or vote them out of office. 
Quick break, and we are back with more fun with Republicans right after <laughs> this. I'm Brad Friedman. You are listening to the Bradcast. Hey, this is Brad. If you haven't noticed by now, it's no easy feat finding facts, real facts, not alternative facts, over your public airwaves. We try to bring you real facts, truth, and clarity without fear or favor each and every day on the Bradcast. But we need your help to do it, and that help is needed more now than ever. Please stop by bradblog.com donate today. That's bradblog.com donate and thanks. I'm a cowboy on a steel horse I ride. I want it, want it, Why are we playing cowboy songs? You'll find out in a moment. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. CNN reported late last night. For anyone still wondering whether this surge in the new in new COVID-19 cases is real, is anybody still wondering that? Maybe. Apparently some people uh, are. <laughs> or if it just looks that way due to increased testing, a Trump administration official put that question to rest on Monday. Admiral Brett Girard, the U.S. Assistant Secretary of Health, who's leading the administration's COVID-19 testing effort, said there is no question we are having a surge right now. Yes, we are having increased cases, predominantly in the Sun Belt. We are having more cases than we did a week ago, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, four weeks ago. That, he said, is very clear. As of Monday, in fact, 31 states had seen more new cases over this past week compared to new cases from the previous week, according to data from Johns Hopkins University. And the rise in cases far exceeded the rise in testing, despite Donald Trump's repeated idiotic statements. Some places, uh, and there are many of them now, that are getting overwhelmed with new hospitalizations or deaths, which has nothing to do with the amount of testing you do. In Florida, at least 50 hospitals are now out of ICU space, according to data from uh, Florida's Agency for Healthcare Administration. Miami-Dade County has exceeded its ICU capacity with 130% occupancy on Monday, according to the county. How can you have 130% occupancy? Well, they're at surge capacity. They have to add beds. They have to figure out how to do things, share ventilators and share beds, etc. Well, not share beds, but add beds, etc. L.A. County. Uh, reported its highest number of COVID-19 hospitalizations in a single day, with at least 2,200 people hospitalized on Sunday. More than half of the 2,800 new cases reported Sunday, by the way, were among people younger than 41. Arizona reported its highest number of COVID-19 deaths in a single day on Saturday. Georgia and North Carolina had record high numbers for the most COVID cases reported in a single day. And on Saturday, Georgia reported 4,600 new cases. North Carolina reported 2,500 new cases. In Texas, Dallas County and San Antonio have brought in refrigerated trucks now because they're running out of space to hold the dead bodies of COVID-19 victims. 
Now, uh, some local officials are reluctantly considering, yes, another shutdown. Why? Because as we've been arguing for months, actually as actual health experts have been arguing for months, we opened too soon. All over the country. And yet, with all of that, with all we now know, Coy Griffin, the head of the Cowboys for Trump organization, who posted a video on Twitter this week, falsely claims in that video that wearing face masks is actually bad for you. It weakens human immune systems, he claimed. I'll play this video, but I want to say up front before we play it that everything that this jackass says in this video is false, just so you don't get the impression otherwise. Yo, we have immune systems. We have an immune system that will keep us from getting sick. The longer you wear the mask, the weaker your immune system is going to be and the more uh, susceptible you're going to be to disease or viruses or bacteria or whatever, you know. Y'all, whenever we're whenever we have kids, we let our kids play underneath the bleachers at the ball game. Why? So they can get exposed to life. They can get exposed. We don't we don't keep our kids in a little bu bubble. And kids are the grubbiest, nastiest little things around. Why? But whenever they're children, their immune systems are being developed. You know. Whenever I go down to Mexico, I don't drink the, from the same spigot down there that the Mexicans are drinking from down in down deep in Mexico. Why? Because my immune system isn't hasn't been exp exposed to to the water in Mexico. You know, I mean, we have to build our immune system, and if you're walking around and you're breathing recycled air out of one of those masks all day long, I promise you. You know, I'm no rocket scientist. No, I'm no medical not. expert. I'm no, no Dr. Fauzi. Fauzi? I believe that I do have enough common sense to know that you're not doing you yourself don't. any good. Take the masks. I think, in my opinion, he starts to I hedge. think uh -huh. that we need, to take, we need to take the masks off and you need to quit breathing that recycled, all that <laughs> recycled air that's going yeah. back in and out, in and out, because... You're you're not doing yourself any favors. You know, as a as a parent, what do you yeah. tell your child to do? Get out in the yard and play. Why? It's not necessarily because you want them out of your hair. You want to get them out in the sunshine because you know that's the healthiest place for a child to be. Is out in the open air, out in the sunshine. And I I go around and I see people walking around riding their bicycles with masks on. Yo, come on now. Come okay, on. so you get the idea. Coy Griffin, head of Cowboys for Trump, telling you to take your mask off. It's good for you. Otherwise, you'll just be breathing your own recycled air and somehow you'll catch COVID. I don't know what he's even getting at. Now, of course, it's just some idiot, this Coy Griffin, uh, you know, who leads a group called Cowboys for Trump, right? Well, no. He's not just some idiot. He's actually also a Republican commissioner for Otero County, New Mexico. He's an elected official. And, by the way, he's not just a Republican commissioner for Otero County, New Mexico. He's a Republican commissioner for Otero County, New Mexico, 
who tweeted out a video back in May of this year, the first line of which was, quote, I've come to the conclusion that the only good Democrat is a dead Democrat. And he's not only an idiot and a Republican commissioner from Otero County, New Mexico, who tweeted out a video that says the only good Democrat is a dead Democrat. That video back in May was retweeted by the president of the United States. Mm. So, you know, you see this. I mean, you can find all kinds of things of all kinds of idiots saying idiotic things. But this is a guy who has actually been retweeted by the president of the United States. Not when he said uh, you shouldn't wear the mask, but when he said the only good Democrat is a dead Democrat. And it also turns out that that president of the United States, yes, is also an idiot. But he does happen to be the president of the United States. The video in question uh, from back in May with the dead Democrats thing uh, was retweeted by Trump, who added to it. Thank you, Cowboys. See you in New Mexico. Griffin has said that he and his supporters may resort to violence if COVID-19 lockdown restrictions are not lifted. He says you get to pick your poison. You either go before a firing squad or you get the end of a rope. He said in an interview, I'll tell you what, partner, as far as I'm concerned, there's not an option that's not on the table. And Trump's promotion of the video at the time drew a horrified response from Twitter. But, of course, we know that the president of the United States is an idiot, one who has left all of the action, essentially, regarding the coronavirus to the governors, who we hope are less idiotic. Now, as I've been reporting and pointing out for weeks, Republican Florida Governor Ron DeSantis is at least as much of an idiot as Donald Trump. He was first demanding apologies from the media for how well his reopening was going in Florida back in May, about five minutes after he'd reopened the state. See? No COVID. And now that some 50 hospitals in Florida have run out of ICU space, DeSantis is still demanding that schools reopen for in-person classes five days a week beginning next month. But he is hardly the only idiotic Republican governor who is uh, making these sorts of uh, demands and decisions, no matter how many dead Americans will result from them. An interview uh, on Friday with talk radio host Mark Cox on KFTK in Missouri featured Governor Mike Parsons, Republican of Missouri, indicating uh, both certainty and acceptance that coronavirus will spread among children when they return to school this fall. But he's still in favor of reopening. The virus, by the way, has killed more than 1,100 people in the state so far, despite a weeks-long stay-at-home order in the spring that helped to slow the virus's spread a bit. But now it's on the upswing again, and the state set a record on Saturday of new cases. But here's what Parson had, Parson had to say about reopening schools for in-person death traps, I mean classes, beginning next month. Kids are the least likely to have a problem with this. But look, you, you can't just, these kids have got to get back to school. They're at the lowest risk possible. And if they do get COVID-19, which they will, and they will when they go to school, they're not going to the hospitals. They're not going to have to sit in doctor's office days. They're going to go home, and, and they're going to get over it. Yes. 
They're going to go home. That's the point of what all of the healthcare experts have been trying to get into your thick head, Governor Parson. <laughs> yes, the children take it home. They take it to their parents, to their grandparents, to their bus drivers, to the teachers, to the school staff. Everybody gets it. It spreads. In a tweet on Friday, State Auditor Nicole Galloway, the Democratic candidate for governor in Missouri this November, said Parsons' uh, comments displayed stunning ignorance on how COVID-19 affects children. He admitted that he's okay with your kids and your families getting the deadly disease when he sends them back to school. Does he not realize multiple American kids have died after being infected? Now, Parson became governor in Missouri uh, a year or so ago uh, after Missouri's previous Republican governor, Eric Greitens, who ran on a uh, family values platform after he had to resign because it turned out he had had an affair with a woman. I think it was his hairdresser, as I recall. Uh, he had brought her down to his basement and tied her up to some exercise equipment, took off her clothes and took pictures of her and then threatened that if she ever told anyone about it, he would release those pictures. I think he also smacked her, as I recall, once or twice. So Mike Parson, the Republican lieutenant governor at the time, became governor thereafter. And this is what we now have. I think we might have done better with the sex uh, abuser previously. I don't know. Now, of course, I feel like all of this is my own fault since <laughs> I uh, when, when I left Missouri, I grew up there. And when I left around 16 years old, it was infamously a swing state at the time. Now the state has gone completely red in the years that I left. So that's why it's my fault. I sure hope that Missourians somehow come back to their senses this November. The polling at Real, Real Clear Politics shows uh, Parson with a lead still over the Democrat Galloway, but that lead has been getting slightly smaller since uh, May. Uh, he's still up, I think, by about eight points. But listen, if Kansas next door could return some sanity to that state and re uh, elect a Democratic governor last time, certainly Missourians can get their act together and dump this idiot this November, right? We'll see. They don't make it easy to vote by mail in Missouri. you got to be of a certain age, as I recall, and I know you got to go out during a pandemic and seek a notary in order to sign your ballot to vote by mail but come on missouri make me proud surely desi's home state of texas <laughs> is not gonna flip blue before missouri does right we'll see quick break and we're back with desi doyan and the green news report right after this i'm brad friedman don't touch that dial <laughs> What the public hears on the public airwaves matters. At the Bradcast, we do our best to bring you accurate news and analysis on the issues that actually matter, and we do it all independently without corporate or political influence. But we can't do it without you, now more than ever. Please help us stay on your public airwaves by going to bradblog.com donate to help keep us going. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. All right, well, since Desi insisted on going on and on and on about COVID-19, 
We have to get to it. Our latest green news report. As the rain continues pouring in southern China, an expert warns the Three Gorges Dam is at risk of collapse. Record rains and floods threaten world's largest dam. The new British study touted as the strongest evidence yet that what's happening in the Arctic is human-caused climate change. Siberian heat wave impossible without intervention by humans. New study finds... Plus, we got to leave this little planet, leave this little piece of real estate a little greener, a little cleaner, and a little more peaceful. We got to do it. Remembering civil rights icon Congressman John Lewis, champion of environmental justice. All of those memories and more straight ahead from Bradblog.com. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. And none of us, not one of us, can afford to be tired. Don't get weary. I'm weary, Congressman. I'm very tired. This is your Green News Report. Okay, Desi Doyen, with everything else going on in the world, the world's largest dam may be about to collapse. Really? (laughs) Yes, yes, really. Ominous warnings in China after more than a month of record-breaking torrential downpours have caused widespread deadly flooding. Authorities in central China blew up a dam on Sunday to release pressure behind it, and they have opened floodgates on the massive Three Gorges Dam on the Yangtze River. As you say, the largest dam in the world because water levels behind the massive structure are more than 50 feet above flood stage, threatening to collapse it. Oh, good Lord. More rain and flooding are forecast. Reports indicate around 2 million people have been evacuated with alerts for major downstream cities like Wuhan and Shanghai all during a pandemic. Estimated direct losses from the floods are already more than 7 billion U.S. dollars, according to the Chinese government. Well, I'm only surprised it hasn't happened yet, to be frank. And remember last month when parts of Siberia hit a record 100 degrees Fahrenheit? I do. Well, that record heat wave is still ongoing as Russian firefighters battle more than 40 large forest fires across the region. Now, a preliminary analysis of the record temperatures by an international team of researchers has concluded that human-caused climate change made Siberia's persistent heat 600 times more likely. And that this kind of prolonged intense heat event would happen less than once every eight 80,000 years, if not for man-made climate change. They call it, quote, effectively impossible without human influence. And it has real human and economic impacts. The wildfires, destabilized permafrost causing infrastructure damage like that massive fuel spill from a broken fuel storage tank last month, and also an intense drought that has caused complete crop failure in 23 districts in Siberia's grain-growing region. So, in other words, climate change in Siberia is really, really bad. Yes. Yes. And extreme weather events like the record rainfall in China and record heat in the Arctic are in line with climate scientists' predictions of man-made global warming. Well, knock me over with a feather. Here in the U.S., a new study confirms earlier research finding that long-term exposure to toxic air pollution is a major risk factor in dying from COVID-19, and the study implicates the Trump administration's Environmental Protection Agency decision to freeze enforcement of pollution rules 
schools as a contributing factor. Researchers at American University measured a distinct increase in concentrations of toxic soot and ozone air pollution in counties with industrial facilities after the Trump EPA relaxed enforcement rules due to the coronavirus pandemic. Those counties saw a nearly 20 percent increase in daily death rates from COVID-19 through May compared to counties with fewer polluting facilities. Well, White House Press Secretary Kayleigh McEnany offered what I think is pretty much the slogan at this point for the Trump administration. What's that? The science should not stand in the way of this. Ah, yes. And of course, the strongest spike in deaths from coronavirus was in minority neighborhoods. The researchers say the evidence implicates the Trump EPA, suggesting that the enforcement freeze made the pandemic worse. Finally, civil rights icon Congressman John Lewis passed away late last week, and as part of his life's work to expand civil rights for black Americans and all Americans, Lewis was also a champion for environmental justice, fighting the environmental racism at the heart of why minority and frontline communities disproportionately bear the brunt of industrial pollution and the accelerating impacts of climate change. In a fiery address in 2012, Congressman Lewis encouraged all Americans to never give up the fight. Hang in there, not just for this generation, but for generation yet unborn. We got to leave this little planet, leave this little piece of real estate a little greener, a little cleaner, and a little more peaceful. We got to do it. We have a right to know what is in the food we eat. We have a right to know what is in the water we drink. We have a right to know what is in the air we breathe. We can do it. We can do it. He will be missed. For much more on all of these stories and the ones we couldn't get to today, please check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. Find us, follow us, and share us planet-wide on the Facebooks and the Twitters at Green News Report. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. And this has been your Green News Report. Where did all the blue skies go? Poison is the wind that blows from the north and south and Oh, mercy, mercy me. Mercy me. Thank you very much, Desi Doyen. Yep, our whiplash producer. from all the news today. Yeah, it really is, as usual, yep. every day. Uh, if you missed any portion of today's program, you can download it anytime for free at bradblog.com. That is made possible thanks to those of you who support our efforts by stopping by bradblog.com slash donate, where you can make a one-time donation of any amount you like, or even better, a monthly donation automated of any amount you like. Thanks in advance for that. Uh, you can also drop me email if you like. I am bradcast at bradblog.com. Always glad to hear from you. You can also find, follow, and share us, me, on the Twitters at TheBradBlog. That's it. Until we meet again tomorrow, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. Look how much more we use from Sanders. Can't you stand that?